Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. Oh, hey. It's Thanksgiving week. It is. At least in America. Yes, that's true. And nowhere else. (laughs) That's not nowhere, right? Yeah. Other people celebrate Thanksgiving, but not this week. Uh, I think Canada has Thanksgiving. No, maybe. It's different, though. It's a different time. Well, y'all should think about, like, at least having a turkey dinner. Because it's delicious. Yeah, stuffing, <laughs> gravy. Yes. Pumpkin pie. <laughs> pumpkin pie. Yeah, I'm making mm. a pumpkin pie this week and an apple pie. Oh. Yeah. You know, I heard something on NPR last night. It was a cooking show, and they were talking about how to fix, like, broken desserts. Oh. Like, so if your pumpkin pie splits. Like, like the crust. Like, the, like Oh, the, no, the, the, pumpkin, the pumpkin filling. You, you can um, quickly make, like, a pecan sort of, like, gooey crumble. With like oh. butter and sugar, spread it over the pumpkin top, broil it so it just gets like oh. so it turns into like almost like a pumpkin. And literally, no one is complaining, and no it one looks beautiful. And then it turns into a pumpkin pecan Whoa. thing, or you can just be cheap and just cover it up with cool, like Cool Whip or something. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, anyways, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop <laughs> Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and minor cooking tips, pumpkin pies, pumpkin pies on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition. You can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got news about Taylor Swift, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, a rundown and review of some new Christmas songs, courtesy of me and Keith, plus Mm. chart chat about Kane Brown, The Beatles, and Panic at the Disco. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss a single episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, let's uh, get to the chart chat, the uh, the meat of the matter, <laughs> the, the turkey, yes. as you will, the, the main course. Actually, no, this is more like the appetizer because we're rolling up to bigger things in the show. That's right. Christmas music is obviously the main course. Right. So this this is more <laughs> of just the uh, the aperitif when you walk in. You're given a glass of bubbly and perhaps you... And a pig in a blanket. Yes. That's the, that's the classy combo. Um, first up, country singer-songwriter Kane Brown earns his first number one album on the Billboard 200 chart as his second full-length studio effort, Experiment, bows in the top slot. The set starts with 124,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending November 15th, according to Nielsen Music. Now, of that sum, 105,000 were in album sales. Uh, Experiment is just the third country album to reach number one on the all-genre Billboard 200 chart in 2018. You could have done a quiz, Katie, here. I think I could have gotten them. Well, well they're right in front of me now. They're right so in front of me now. You'll so. never know. Uh, well, th- those at home, you can play along. Quick, take a guess. I'll give you five seconds. Imagine it's one man and one woman. I feel like that's a good hint. That almost sounds like a country song. One man, <laughs> one woman. One man enters, one woman leaves. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's, a, it's a special country story about transitioning. Yeah. Um, no? Too soon? I really enjoyed that. Oh, sorry. Um. Well, uh, uh, Kane follows Carrie Underwood's Cry Pretty. And Jason Aldean's Rear View Town. Uh, last year, there was only four country albums at number one, and all of them came in the last four months of the year. Wow. There's Thomas Rhett, Shania Twain, Kenny Chesney, and Luke Bryan. Are, uh, are they just capitalizing on that big, like, Thanksgiving, Christmas album sales well, Kane, situation? Kane's album came out to capitalize, I think, sort of on kind of 
all interest around the CMA Awards. Mm-hmm. He was a presenter on the show. Yeah, what? I don't know why he didn't perform. I almost feel like he must have turned them down because there's no chance they didn't ask the man who was the like presumptive number one album oh, in the country. It seems like there's a chance maybe he felt like maybe they didn't ask or him. Or maybe they were going to give him one of those lame side stage performances and um, he was like, yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Something. It's like, I get to sing one verse of someone else's song. Exactly, no. And then coming up after the break. <laughs> exactly. That's, pro- that's not how Kane <laughs> that Brown was, sounds. That was the Laura and Elena impression because that's what she got. <laughs> she, sang, she sang one verse of a Dottie West song. Uh-huh. Right? And yeah. then she was like, coming up. Yeah, and then had to like do their, you know, teleprompter, you know, whatever. Anyway. Can you imagine that conversation? It's like, we'd like you to perform on the show, but this is all we're giving you. But I think that she's like a team player and is like, whatever you want, CMA, and mm. just goes for it. And I guess whereas so. Kane Brown's like, uh, y'all, I'm Kane Brown. I'm going to have the number one album in the U.S. Yeah, this no. Week. All right. Yeah, no. All right. Next up, <laughs> the Beatles' self titled album, often referred to as the White Album, re enters the Billboard 200 at number six following its 50th anniversary reissue on November 9th. The set climbs back onto the tally with 63,000 units earned, up just, you know, 1,500%, um, of which 52,000 were in traditional album sales, and that's up 5,596%. So basically it sold nothing the previous week, but, you know, that's to be expected. I'm sure it actually sold a kind of a decent amount because most of the Beatles catalog sells well every week. Yeah. But obviously when you're doing the 50th anniversary. A negligible amount. A negligible amount. Or actually, I don't know. I don't have last week's number, but I'm sure it was more than nothing. Uh, the album, which was first released in 1968, hence the 50th anniversary thing, was remastered and reissued in a variety of formats, including some with a bevy of bonus tracks. I think there's there's a version with like 100 tracks or something. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there, man. There's like a super deluxe box set that has all sorts of like alternative versions, demo versions. Are such things streaming? Uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm going to have to dig into that. I don't know how much of the deluxe version is streaming. It mm. could be the whole thing. Mm. Um, it's like, that's my favorite Beatles album. So really? I, but I have not explored the, uh, the new re-release yet. Weirdly, despite the fact that it has songs that you know, like Back in the USSR, Obladi, Oblada, um, Blackbird. None of those, there were no singles actually promoted from the album. So nothing, no no singles from it charted on the Hot 100 at the time that the album was out. Obla Di Obla Da eventually was released as a single, I think, in the 70s. But otherwise, like Sgt. Pepper's, there were no singles promoted from the was album. Was that a um, choice of the band, not wanting to like lift certain songs over others or something? You know, I don't know. I think they just made a but conscious... it still got radio play, right? It was just oh, a matter yeah. of, then, since they didn't get released as formal singles, they weren't eligible for the well, chart. Yeah, they didn't chart on the Hot 100. There was lots of album cuts that radio, I'm sure, played. Interestingly, though, when I was, when I was Googling, researching this, um, Hey Jude, uh, I think it was Hey Jude? Hey Jude and, I think, Revolution... Uh, or come Revolution together. is on the White Album. Hey Jude is not. Revolution is on the yeah. Okay, so Hey Jude I think was recorded during the White Album sessions, um, but it was released as a standalone single, but oh, not put on the White Album. Oh, interesting. And then eventually Hey Jude was put onto the Hey Jude album yes. in the U.S., but then in the U.K. I don't really know. Now we've fallen into a Beatles rabbit <laughs> hole. Anyways, no singles were promoted from it. Huh. Um, Bonus fun fact, um, the album, the White Album, has not been this high on the Billboard 200 since way back on March 29th, 1969, when it ranked number 10, which also, 10, five, five, thank you. According to Keith's own notes. In my head, I was already (laughs) thinking of the next word I wanted to say, which was when it ranked number five that week back on March 29th, 1969, that was its last week in the top 10 Mm. in its initial chart run until this week when it comes wow. back to the top 10. Hmm. And, this, and by the way, if you're wondering, 
this is not the first time something like this has happened where there's been like 50 years between top 10 visits. Like, did it happen with Sgt. Pepper when yeah. they did re-release? Sgt. Pepper came back to the top 10 when they did their 50th anniversary a couple years ago. It's kind of funny how like all these, obviously these 50th anniversaries for the Beatles are all coming like sequentially because they all happened sequentially. And so it's like going to go all the way through Let It Be in 1969. Yeah, but I don't see them. I think they probably see that like Sgt. Pepper's and the White Album, probably like the two albums, if you're going to do a 50th anniversary, you do them for, because it's now 50 years from 68. What do you have left after that? Yeah, you have Let It Be, 1969. But is that like the, like the like I would think like Rubber Soul would be like a really significant oh, album. Oh, but that was five years it's prior. Too late. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't mean they can't come back for the 60th anniversary. Yeah, I wonder how they made all those decisions. But I also remember them doing, like, the 50th anniversary of the Ed Sullivan show, obviously, like, 64. six or seven years ago. So, yeah, it must yeah. be fun just sitting around, or playing around in the ago. Beatles archives, yeah, wondering what sure. we can do with all that stuff. That's what, uh, how do you say his name? Gilles Martin? Gilles Martin. That's how he's doing right now. Yeah, so. uh, George Martin's son, George Martin, was a producer of all the Beatles stuff. Indeed. Okay, lastly, over on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, as Ariana Grande spends a second week at number one with Thank you. Next, there's big news in the top 10 as Panic at the Disco scores its second top 10 and first in over 12 years as High Hopes rises 12 to 8. It also climbs 6 to 3 on the radio songs chart and 6 to 4 on the digital song sales chart. Now, Panic hasn't been in the top 10, top 10, top 10 <laughs> since its debut hit, I Write Sins, Not Tragedies, Hit number seven back in August of 2006. The act's 12-year, two-month, and three-week wait between top tens, according to Gary Trust, the manager of the Hot 100 chart, <laughs> is the longest since Prince, following his April 21st, 2016 death, returned to the top ten that year with Purple Rain and When Doves Cry after 21 years, 11 months, and two weeks. Um, his first visit to the top ten since The Most Beautiful Girl in the World ranked... In the top 10 back in 1994. So Prince was last in the top 10 in 1994 with The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. They had to wait until, unfortunately, his passing in 2016 when When Doves Cry and Purple Rain came back to the top 10. So Brendan Urie probably likes this situation a little better. Did not have to pass away to get there. Yes. Um, Panic ends the longest top 10 drought between new top 10s. Because mm. obviously Purple Rain and When Doves Cry had already right, been in the top 10. Right. New top 10s uh, since Paul McCartney who took 29 years and two weeks between Spies Like Us back in 1986 and four or five seconds with Rihanna and Kanye West in 1980, no, 2015. <laughs> God. It's Thanksgiving week. Can we go home now? It's time to go We're home. running on the <laughs> Um All right, so we're moving away from the uh, pigs in the blanket and sparkling... Uh, cider or champagne yeah. whichever you prefer is this the first course now before I, our main I, event i guess so we're moving on to some sort Salads. of salad option a fresh salad what else would be good Don't, for like a f first course pro tip though do not eat much of the salad you need to save room for the main course the salads are not you, important you know some people just serve everything at the same time yeah actually we're we're those people we do that like, and it's 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 overwhelming well, maybe, maybe it would all be on the table at the same time. You can just start with, like, just I'll just eat salad first. If you were doing, like, a formally served dinner, I can imagine you would sit down, have a salad, and then somebody would bring out the other courses. But we're just, like, buffet-styling it, throwing it on the table all at once. 
I Go think, nuts. I don't think anyone's throwing food there, but <laughs> I don't we'll, know. We'll find out. Baby My fifteen-month-old son might be. <laughs> well, so uh, salad and Taylor. Time for Taylor. Yeah. Um, less than a month after becoming a free agent, Taylor Swift announced Monday that she has signed a new worldwide record deal with Universal Music Group uh, through UMG's Republic as her U.S. partner. Um, in an Instagram post announcing the deal, Swift posed with Universal Music Group Chairman and CEO Lucian Grange and Republic Records CEO Monty Littman and included a message about the move saying, quote, I'm ecstatic to announce that my musical home will be Republic Records and Universal Music Group. Over the years, Sir Lucian Grange and Monty Littman have been such incredible partners. It's so thrilling to me that they and the UMG team will be my label family moving forward. It's also incredibly exciting to know that I'll own all of my own master recordings that I make from now on. That being the biggest deal of right here. Like, yeah. this is what she was looking for in her new deal. The move means um, she's departing Big Machine, which has literally been her only label home since she was 14 years old. Big Machine signed her. Big Machine signed her. Um, she also thanked Scott Borchetta in her... Um, her Instagram message. Who runs Big Machine. Who runs Big Machine. And um, basically, one of the biggest things that people are taking away from this as well is that under the terms of the deal... Um, oh, wait. This is... Let me... I'm moving on to something early. In her Instagram post, she also advocated for fellow artists, making it a negotiating point that any sale of UMG's Spotify shares result in distribution of money to all of their artists, which is the thing that people are kind of zeroing in on because Taylor sort of is known to try to look out for all artists when she's making these sort of moves. You remember the Apple Music mm-hmm. deal from a few years ago where she insisted that uh, for her and for all artists during Apple's free trials that they should be compensated for their music. Um, so that's the part that Twitter's really zeroing in on. But Keith, what do you think about this whole situation? Um, well, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if it was even like a... a it was even going to happen that she would stay with Big Machine because Big mm. Machine Records uh, is distributed by Universal Music Group, and she Big Machine has long worked with Republic Records to promote uh, their kind of pop leaning things to pop radio. Yes. So Republic Records has promoted Taylor to pop radio. She's had a relationship with yeah. these entities her entire career. So yes. maybe it was just one of those things where you know in a direct she can make a direct deal with universal as a instead of going through a middleman meaning big machine um there's also maybe a, big machine wasn't going to give her her masters i was going to say so our our colleague um melinda newman uh she wrote this article and she said that sources are also saying that uh umg is still possibly going to buy big machine which in addition to having you know uh having Taylor's future recordings would mean that they'd be buying her six albums so far. Like that's, that's what that deal would bring them because she doesn't own the masters for those albums. And so mm. UMG is trying to accumulate that too. Interesting. Reportedly. Wow. So anyway, a little business news for our pop shop listeners. Well, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a, something of much debate, you know, once she, um, once people realize that Taylor was on the market, you know, what would she do? Would she start her own label? Would she, uh, I read somewhere where people were saying that she might just have like a direct distribution deal with Spotify somehow. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Mm. I, the thing I kept hearing was that maybe she would just do a publishing deal with um, there's companies that specifically like only take 5% of the rights of your publishing or something. Mm. And they cater to big artists like this who want to keep 95% and know that they don't need that extra promotion that a label, you know, gives you anymore. I mean, she still, I mean, she still needs. 
well, I don't know. We don't know what she needs. Oh, I guess I should also say she kind of teased that new music, new music. is on the way um, from this Instagram I can't post wait as to well. share with you something. What's some... coming? So Next week she drops a single. Like <laughs> Black, like this Friday she drops a new single on this Black Friday. This is her timing. She does. Uh, usually it's earlier November, but November is definitely a Taylor month in previous years. Well, the album only came out a year ago, though. Yeah, it's true. Normally it's a two-year She's cycle. every two-year, yeah. But, like, the, but Reputation came out what was it a year late maybe she just wanted to get it locked in before she started even working on new things so it's like she's got a budget for her right. album and she's got whatever worked out it'd be super interesting to see how this changes things or if it really changes anything that we see at all it probably won't change things for her fans and for her music i would think changes but things we'll for big machine out. yeah change things for scott forchetta specifically goodness gracious so since it's thanksgiving week i thought we could talk a little about the 92nd annual macy's thanksgiving day parade oh so good how insane is that 92nd year of this parade i bet you there's people that have been around as long as the parade has been going and they probably watched it every year i hope they interview like they, al, al roker needs to interview that 100 something year old lady find them on the parade route somewhere <laughs> in new york oh, don't be it, outside it's gonna be very cold elderly people Stay inside. Okay. What if it snows? <gasps> yeah, well, that'll be magical. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so the parade is uh, going to be at 9 a.m. Eastern during NBC's Today Show, and it boasts a typically star-studded lineup. So let's just talk a little bit about some of the performers. Obviously, we have Diana Ross and family performing, uh, including for sure Tracy Ellis Ross and Evan Ross, her two kids, two of her kids, um, and they're going to be performing a song from her new Christmas album. Hmm. I know you love Diana. Well, who doesn't love Diana Ross? <laughs> That's true. No, now, now, the songs on the album are songs that were previously released some mm. time ago, and I don't think any of them feature any of her family members. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what arrangement she does to include maybe the fam. Maybe, like, the family is, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, let's all go to, hey, the phone's ringing. <laughs> it's a way for the Ross family to spend Thanksgiving together. They're like, yeah. oh, Diana's already booked for the parade. Let's just hop on the float. Or, yeah, or, or, or maybe they're like, hey, let's all go to New York and have, like, you know, a lavish, like, fabulous, like, New York Thanksgiving special. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe maybe her family would just be, like, surrounding her while she sings the song. I would hope. I mean, Evan is a singer himself. He'll probably jump in. Tracy's very talented. Will Ashley Simpson be there? I have not seen mm-hmm. Ashley in the literature about the event, but <laughs> it seems very likely if Evan's there. Okay. Anyway, moving uh, on. John Legend. Yeah, who great. Obviously, new Christmas album. Um, Bad Bunny. Noted holiday singer, Bad Bunny. Ah, I'm really interested to see. Um, what Spanish language yeah, song he'll do. Yeah, I mean, do. it's going to be something in Spanish. Feliz Actually, Navidad. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Bad like Bunny a, doing Feliz Navidad. I would totally be there for that. <laughs> That, I don't think that'll happen. Some sort of remix? What's he going to do? Like, his verse of I like it? Yeah. I actually have seen him perform. Um, I saw him perform at the iHeart daytime stage. His part of Mia? He did his part. Mia wasn't out when I saw him, but he did his part of I like it, and he um, did, obviously, his own big hits. Um yeah. It's a family show. You got to rein it in a little bit. It feels like I like it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting. And he'll do like his ad libs over the chorus. Um, Kane Brown. We might have mentioned him earlier. <laughs> sure. Uh, LMA. Mm-hmm. Boot up for Christmas. Right. Um, <laughs> no, I was just trying to think. Hang, hang your boots up by the stockings. <laughs> hang your boot up. No. Santa, hang your boot. Boot up. Boot up. <laughs> hang your boot. Boot ups. Oh, this okay. is not scripted. That was just off the top of our <laughs> Yeah, none of this is. You can tell. Um, That's why Mark the phone Sh- rings all of a sudden. <laughs> 
Martina McBride, who also has new Christmas music. Pentatonix, who also has new Christmas music. Martina has new Christmas yeah. music? Mm-hmm. Oh, whoops. Uh, Rita Ora. Who doesn't have new Christmas music, but she has new music. Sugarland. Uh-huh. Anika Noni Rose. Yeah. Bare Naked Ladies. Mm-hmm. Leona Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allie Brooke. Who has a new Christmas cover of Last Christmas. We might be talking about that a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, also a guest of the podcast recently. Last, wait, two years she's done it in a row, right? Last year and the year before. Oh, no, this this year. Did what? She's been on the show, right? Podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you're like, I, thought oh, right. about, I thought you were talking so, about the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I'm so like, is Bozzy, a- who is also performing. Yeah, no, didn't pod, but friend of the podcast. Uh, Ashley Tisdale, who's making a return to uh, to music. She's got a new album coming. Oh. Um, Carly Pierce, country star. Uh-huh. Uh, Bryn Cartelli, who was uh, Kelly Clarkson's uh, voice contestant. There's still more. Jack and Jack. Uh-huh. Mackenzie Ziegler and Johnny Orlando. Who? Tegan Marie. <laughs> Mackenzie Ziegler is Maddie Ziegler's little sister. Okay, I was going to say, did you mean Maddie? <laughs> no, I did not. I was like... Mm-hmm. I believe Mackenzie was also on Dance Moms, but she's been a singer. Like, that's... She's been uh, putting out music and Who, has and, pop career. And who's Johnny Orlando? He all, We actually premiered a song of his. He's like super like, popular with the with the tweens is he like a youtuber i don't know where he came from viral but he's sensation. really really young like he's like 15 or something he sounds like he's like coming up next on z100 johnny orlando with a top six at six so the first time i saw his name i remember i told you it sounded like um greg brady's pop star alter ego <laughs> what was it? like johnny bravo we're never gonna <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. We're never going to get Johnny Orlando uh, on the podcast uh, now. No, we did premiere one of his songs. It was a really catchy song. Oh. Um, and he has a huge social following, like crazy social following. Great. Now they're going to come after us. No, they'll love us. We brought up Johnny Orlando. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that's his real name. I, it doesn't seem likely. <laughs> I can't. I not scripted. Know. Oh, okay. my God. The kids well, are going to be mad at this. Well, the Thanksgiving Day Parade will be hosted by Hoda Kotb, Savannah Guthrie, and, of course, Al Roker. Yes. Um, uh, do you, you watch the parade every year? You love it. Love it. I, I feel like I miss the live version because it's, it's, it's live on both coasts, I think. Maybe? I hope not because I'm not trying to wake up at 6 no, a.m. No, they replay it. Okay, yeah, they, yeah. They replay it, I, th- I think. And at 9, okay. Yeah, and there's also like a sort of a virtual interactive thing that you can do on YouTube, I think. Oh. Where the, like you can tune into, I think there's like gremlins out in the hallway in case you hear some rumbling. <laughs> um, I'm just waiting for <laughs> some of the Johnny Orlando fans are in. Um, anyway, no, I, I think if you go to YouTube, there's going to be like a sort of a virtual interactive like view where you can like toggle a camera oh, or something. Oh, that's fun. See all the floats? I think so, but not really sure exactly how that works. But yeah, I watch it every year and it's always fun because like the first hour is, you know, um, Broadway shows and the Rockettes and dance troops. Mm-hmm. And then the last two hours of the parade proper um, when we get to see all these stars, you know, sing and dance on per- on floats and lip sync their way down, you know. They lip sync because they could not literally do live audio from yeah. those floats. I've always wondered, and I think I think I asked, we, well, we had Sarah McLaughlin on two years ago when she was, oh, yeah. be, she was part of the parade. Go back and listen to that. And I asked her something about if, if you ride the float the entire time. And I think she said no. Hmm. Or I think I've, I think I read that the celebrities only like get onto the float right before they get to the TV cameras. Oh, so then it's just operating as a float without them the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah which just, is why they're all themed and fun. Like in addition to the celebrity, right? Yeah, that makes. And sense. then all of a sudden, like you know, on the Perina, you know, puppy child float, here comes Pitatonics. <laughs> 
It's like, sure, that total makes syner- synergistic uh, sense. Well, uh, even though it's the Thanksgiving parade, it's also very, very Christmassy. Um, a lot of Christmas music. It ends with Santa. Yeah, it ends with Santa. This is the whole point. Um, so let's talk about some new holiday songs that uh, could be impacting our charts in the coming weeks as we march toward Christmas. Yeah. Uh, everyone from John Legend, Katy Perry, to Tyler the Creator, and RuPaul have sure. new holiday tunes. Mm-hmm. You always hear those four names and in Johnny the same Orlando. <laughs> I don't know if he has any new music. <laughs> Let us know, uh, Orlandizers. <laughs> Is that the name? <laughs> Just to make that He's probably, I'm sure he has new music. I don't know about new Christmas music. Yeah, we do not know. Uh, but uh, first up, we have Fifth Harmony's Allie Brooke covering Wham's classic Last Christmas. So let's take a listen. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Okay, Keith, what do we think about this one? Oh, I've got notes. Yeah. Katie and I... Uh, Pull listen, out the notes. Katie and I listened to these songs earlier, and uh, we took independent notes. We have not talked about any of these songs, and anytime one of us made a facial expression at the other, we said, save it for the podcast. Yes. So, um, here's my notes. I was listening to it thinking, is this going to turn into like an EDM jam? I felt like the beats were kind of like percolating enough where I'm mm. like, is this going to be like, last Christmas, I gave you my heart, like a really, up, and it didn't it turn didn't. out that way. Um, I thought it was odd that there was a bit of kind of like vocal, like vocoder action, mm. like where her vocals were processed. And I don't personally think that Allie Brooke needs that, Mm-mm. but I can see what they're trying to do with like sort of a kind of like a new modern twist on a classic song. Um, and I think it's hard in general to cover such a familiar song yeah. that is so identifiable with one voice, yeah. specifically George Michael. Well, and I also think that the production didn't change enough to really like let you know what year it was coming out in. Like mm. It sounded to me like they used a lot of the same synthesizers that were in the original version, which makes it almost sound dated, even mm. though it sounded you know, like modern and forward thinking when it came out. Yeah. Um, and I love Allie as I love well. Allie. But the to your point about the vocoders, I think it made her voice almost unrecognizable. Like if you had played it for me without telling me who it is, and I know her voice from um, you know, her previous uh efforts, like she has actually done some, you know, EDM songs, you hear her her awesome voice and you couldn't really hear it in this. I mean it's 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 perfectly pleasant. It's lovely. Um I think, you know, maybe um you know, uh, perhaps uh, some of the execution could have been a little bit different. And I'm excited to hear solo music from her, though. So yeah. th- this is just like a fun little Christmas trifle, and we'll wait for the the main course. Christmas trifle, <laughs> yeah, as, as, as we as as we are now in the main course of the show. <laughs> exactly. Um, you've you've now had some stuffing, and we're moving on to maybe some gravy action <laughs> yeah, and some yeah. some biscuits or something. Um, well, next up we've got John Legend featuring Esperanza Spalding. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It's from his new album. Uh, John Legend's first holiday album, A Legendary Christmas. Uh, Let's take a listen. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. All right, what do we think of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by John Legend featuring Esperanza Spalding? 
Okay, so um, in contrast to the to the Allie Brooks song, which I was saying, you don't know when it came out. This one very intentionally has a very classic sound. Yes, it could have been the fifties. Yes, they definitely they they. Know. It's very referential, and actually, the entire Christmas album, like the cover, if you've seen the cover, it's Bing Crosby's album cover, but it's John Legend. Yeah, and this whole song has like a total Bing vibe. And um, Esperanza Spalding is a, a jazz artist, and so the the jazziness is like front and center the uh kind of scatting and harmonies from her and then also the horn breakdown and center the whole thing is just classic christmas and yeah, I, I go- i'm here for it i googled who did the horn and it was a name a name i didn't recognize i was like is there is there like chris body 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 oh yeah I, that gentleman i was like is he on here i was like is it some notable person and i i didn't recognize an amazing name. studio jazz uh musician um i i was i wrote how did it take this long for john legend to do a christmas album yes um, he's just perfect for Christmas music. Um, and you get the feeling that, you know, this album could be one of those albums that turns into a seasonal favorite. I totally agree. We'll be hearing this on radio for years to come. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so next up, we have um, Pentatonix featuring Kelly Clarkson. The song is called Grown Up Christmas List, and it's from Pentatonix, Pentatonix's mm-hmm. new holiday album, Christmas Is Here. So let's take a listen to that. Okay, what do we think about this one? I think it's perfectly fine. Um, uh, I think it's nice to have Kelly in the mix. Um, Kelly, who had her own Christmas album a couple years ago, wrapped in red, uh, with the amazing Underneath the Tree. Yes. Um, so that's a new Christmas standard. Um, I think it's Pentatonics are really great at what they do, and they are just superb at doing holiday music because there's something special about hearing a cappella voices arranged for Christmas music. It sounds like Christmas carols. It sounds like car- carols. It sounds like, you know, carolers are coming to your door. Yeah. And that's why it's so, so great. And they know that they're great at it, and yeah. they haven't sort of missed a step yet. They definitely just provide the backup to Kelly on this one. Yeah, there's yeah. No, she's the star of the show. Yeah, here. there's no like vocal, um, you know, vocals at the forefront from the Pentatonics uh, crew. Uh, I do have to say, so we looked up that um, Kelly had actually performed this for an American Idol Christmas special back in 2003. Yeah, and, so 15 um, years ago. Yeah, and this song is actually an Amy Grant song originally, um, Growing Up Christmas List, and. Uh, I have to say that the line that got me that made me think like, well, that's crazy considering she covered this 15 years prior. The beginning of the chorus says, no more lives torn apart. And I guarantee you, Kelly was thinking about like the immigrant families getting literally torn apart. Like, because she's written about that or tweeted about that. It like, to me, took like a super political spin when I heard that. I wasn't and even paying attention, unfortunately. I'm not going to put thoughts in her mind. I don't know if that was intentional or if she was just like, oh, I love singing this song. I sang it 15 years ago. Let me do a proper showcase for it. And, I mean, it sounds amazing, but I think that the lyrics, when you when you really listen to them, just he- seem to have a really, like, um, just seem re- really relevant right now. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well... Next up, we have pop superstar Katy Perry, uh, and she has given us a new holiday track, which is exclusive to Amazon, at least presently, and it's called Cozy Little Christmas. Here's a sampling. Nothing lights my fire, runs me up, baby, like you do. Just want a cozy, a cozy little Christmas here with you. Okay, uh, what do we think 
of Cozy Little Christmas from Cozy Little Katie. I can already hear it in a Target commercial. You think it's for Target? I don't know if you it's for it's Target. Music I just, for an Amazon commercial? It just sounds like a, a commercial song. And yes, maybe that was Amazon's intention this whole time. Like, let's line you up. We're going to release it as an Amazon exclusive and then put it in our commercial. Mm. It's just tailor-made for a commercial. Mm. Um, and I also wrote Silly AF. <laughs> Oh. It's just so silly, but it's all, it's very Katie. You know, she does a little uh, riff at, like, in the middle or toward the end where she's like, you know, take your Cartier and take your Chanel. Like, oh, actually, leave, the, leave Chanel. the Chanel. So it's just goofy. It's goofy, Katie. I liked her. There were some really fun couplets in there. She, something about, you know, drinking some whiskey and getting frisky. Yes. Um, <laughs> I thought, um, you know, I mean, the song in general is one of your, your sort of garden variety I don't need anything at Christmas except for you. Yes. Type tracks. Just which, stated a different way. Yeah. And yes. it's, it's cute. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that at some points her vocal sounded a lot like Zoe Deschanel. Oh. Because she has Maybe that. Maybe she was uh, kind of like channeling that kind of breathy. Actually, you know what it is? is almost like a Marilyn Monroe thing, too. It was like, not the whole song, just certain parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very it's clearly identifiably Katy Perry. Yeah. But there were just certain like lyrics that she would say in sort of a boo boopy doo sort of yeah, voice. Sure. That made me think of Zoe. That's funny. Um, so yeah. next up, we have uh, a curveball. Uh, Tyler, the creator's You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Uh, it's from the soundtrack to the new animated film, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. Tyler also has his own EP that features kind of like companion music inspired by the film. Mm. And it's fittingly, fittingly titled Music Inspired by Illumination and Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. So let's take a listen now. You're a monster. Your heart's an empty All right, thoughts on this one? Uh, well, it's weird, <laughs> but not unexpectedly weird because it's Tyler the Creator. I literally first know is expectedly weird. Oh, <laughs> so that works out. Uh, I mean, it, it, I mean, it sounds like you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, and I think he has like sort of a sort of an interesting kind of vaguely hip hopian twist on it. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think this, this he does two songs on the soundtrack. This is one of those two songs. Uh, by the way, the two songs he did for the soundtrack are not on his Inspired By right. EP. Um, so he's probably working within the con- construct and, and constraints of doing a song for a movie and not getting too wackadoodle. That said, it's kind of true to the song. Yeah, and as you said, it is you know a hip-hop-inspired take, but it also has a, a chorus of children, which kind of... Brings like the Charlie Brown vibe, you know, like this mm. chorus of children singing in the background. Next up, Tyler Creator does Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, and it also kind of uh, reminded me a little of uh, the songs that Pharrell did for Despicable Me, because he uh. actually did the whole soundtrack for that movie. And he had an also kind of, it was like, it's almost like a cartoon kid version of hip hop. And that's what it, the Tyler thing kind of sounded like to me, too. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, last, a true diva. RuPaul has a new holiday album out this year titled Christmas Party, and it includes a new song featuring Markaholic called Hey Sis, It's Christmas. Take a listen. Hey sis, it's Christmas. Come on over, bitch, you can't miss this. Don't need gifts, I can I get a witness. We gon' have the best Christmas that ever existed. Red, song, sing a song. Gingerbread men gonna ping your bong. All right, what do we think of this chestnut? Hey, sis, it's Christmas. Oh, chestnut. That's a good one. Um, it is super fun. 
And I was most excited about all the like really fun rhymes in it. So, and it's very fast. You have to listen very closely. And you can tell from the title itself. I mean, hey, sis, it's Christmas is just an amazing. Hey, sis, it's Christmas. Keith and I just kept like singing just that line over and over again today. It's just today. stuck in our heads. Yeah. So you're welcome because <clears throat> it's also stuck in your head. It's just great. But I re- literally wrote down, <clears throat> sis, Christmas, misses, existed, bish, miss this, and Witness oh. are all words that RuPaul rhymes. Wow. For hey, sis, it's Christmas. <clears throat> I and w- it's so fun. <clears throat> I wasn't paying attention that closely. I mean, I was, and some of the lyrics I didn't even really understand. Um, which uh, I looked up the lyrics to write it down. Oh, write down the little you rhymes. cheated. <laughs> I um, did my research. <clears throat> as the kids say, uh, it's a bop. It, indeed. Or it, it's a slap, as, as some other kids might say. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> as I said, the kids say it. <laughs> yes, not us adults. <laughs> I, I know I've heard Dinah Jane say the word. That's right. She did say that. So if she can say it, <laughs> she's still a kid. Yes. Ish. <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I'm fair. Okay. Feel free to tell me if I'm wrong. Um, well, that's just the tip of the iceberg or snowman hmm. in terms of holiday tunes this season. There are also deluxe reissues of Gwen Stefani and Sia's recent holiday albums. New holiday efforts from Eric Clapton and Ingrid Michaelson and many, many more. It's almost Christmas. I, to me, it was Christmas <laughs> when November 1st happened. Oh, I got, I have my own, very own Grinch in my house who gets mad at any Christmas reference like prior to Thanksgiving. Baby Cal? That would be Dan. Oh, Of course, Baby Cal's going to be on my side and want it to be Christmas year round. So. Baby Cal's just like, whatever mommy wants. <laughs> he can't talk yet, really. He, he has a few words, but not that many. Can he say Santa? Oh, I should start teaching Santa. him that one. That'd be a good one. He'd probably be like, Santa. He says bubbles. That doesn't have anything to do with Christmas, but it's fun. Are children at that age really good at like words that are like two syllables with the same syllable repeated? Um, He's just good at bees. He's good at bees in general. So baby, bubbles, bear are all like his favorite words right now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. Have you taught him how to bye, sing? Bye bye. Bye bye. That's what I'm going to start next. Bye bye bye. Okay. And now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Thirty-five years ago this week, Pat Benatar's <clears throat> rock anthem "Love Is a Battlefield." reached the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. The track stepped 13 to 7 on the Hot 100 dated November 19, 1983, later peaking at number 5. It was the second of four top 10 hits for Benatar and won the singer a Grammy Award for Best Rock Vocal Performance Female. Uh, are you a fan of this track, Katie? Oh, of course. Of course. Who isn't? Um, the track was memorably accompanied by an elaborate, story-driven music video that was directed by Bob Giraldi, who had previously directed Michael Jackson's Beat It, and choreographed by Michael Peters, the same man who choreographed with Michael Jackson the King of Pop's Thriller and Beat It videos. The video for Love is a Battlefield was a staple on MTV and featured Benatar as a runaway who becomes a dime dance girl in New York. Oh, man. Now, uh, do you know what Dime a Dance Girl is? Uh, no. I mean, I'm, I can make my assumptions. It's, um, well, you've seen the video. Uh, yes. It's probably been a long time. So it's it's very, it's an old-fashioned concept that dates back decades. But basically, the idea is that, I mean, I think they probably tried to clean it up a bit for the video. Sure. Just not make her like a hooker. So, but they work, these women work in a club, and men 
uh, go there and pay for dances with mm. them. And I, you know, it doesn't it doesn't suggest that anything else happens, but you can kind of see that it could be like a gateway to something worse. Sure, sure. Um, anyway, her and the other girls in this club revolt against the owner of said establishment, and they have sort of a dance off, and they bust their way out, and it's just a great video. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's just like classic, perfect sort of cinematic perfect yes great i can like instantly picture what she's wearing in that video oh like, yeah yeah it's, lots, lots of um sort of flowy it's um, like really nice rag out, lots <laughs> like of rags shoulder lots of rags yeah. tied up <laughs> yeah lots of like shit like shoulder shimmy shake oh, yeah. shimmy shake a lot, shimmy shake. Yeah, a lot of this doom, doom, doom. okay um <laughs> fun fact um benatar's you better run was the second video played on mtv when the network mm. premiered on August 1st, I believe, 1981. Well, definitely was 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first video on MTV was actually the Buggles video killed the radio star. So obviously... Ben- a lot of people know that trivia, but they don't know that Pat Benatar was second. Pat Benatar was a uh, core artist of MTV oh, yeah. back in the early 80s. Yeah. So there you have it. 35 years ago this week, Pat Benatar's Love is a Battlefield. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hit the top we 10. young. Heartache to heartache. We, we stand. stand. Uh, hit the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Okie dokie. Have you ever seen 13 going on 30, Keith? I haven't, but I think that levels about a There's a crucial in. scene for 13 going on 30. Because Jennifer Garner's character is literally 13 years old in the body of a 30-year-old woman. And she hangs out with all these, like... Uh, school age girls and teaches them that song. Like, oh, it's really great. Because it was clearly she was in the eighties. They were in modern day. Did they have to dress and, you know, up like Pat Benatar. They did like a recreation of the dance in the in a bedroom. I remember. Oh, yeah, it's great. Lots of shoulder shimmy shakes. <laughs> they're like, you're so because she's she's like, love is a battlefield. And they're like, you're so wise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I avoided falling into a rabbit hole because I was going to give more information about the songwriters of the track. Oh, man. Holly Knight is one of the songwriters, and Mike Chapman's one of the other songwriters, and I'm just falling into the rabbit <laughs> hole. But, like, Holly Knight also co-wrote The Best, or uh, Better Be Good to Me, and The Best for Tina Turner. Mm. She co-wrote um, Scandals, uh, The Warrior. Oh, that makes all the sense in the world. She co-wrote Never for Heart. Okay. Um, and then Mike Chapman um, produced a lot of Blondie songs. Mm. Um, Hot Child in the City, uh, just tons of other songs. So it's just like the like it's like all these perfect the perfect storm of just like the perfect artist, the perfect voice, the perfect video, the perfect songwriters adds up to a perfect great magic. Song. Yeah. Okay. So what song should we go out on? I mean, obviously, we already talked about Bye Bye Bye. <laughs> of all things, you just remember that. Not a holiday song. Not a Christmas song. I gotta teach Cal this. It's top of mind. All right. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. bye.